Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Friday night after AJ's Griffin's participation in the Rising Stars game. And I guess the first question I have for you, Glenn, is uh, do you think DK Metcalf deserved to be the MVP of the celebrity game? <laughs> oh, man. I have no idea if he played, if he even played in that. And this is just totally a trick question. I would have no clue. No, it's real. He's out there dunking. Uh, I'm fairly certain he deserved it, but I did not watch to actually confirm yeah. that. Well, since I I live in the Seattle area, it'll probably be on the local news tomorrow. There you go. Because uh, they want to, you know, they love their Seahawks out here, and uh, yeah, understandably, popular team up here. So, I guess I guess I'll find out for sure, for sure, if I get to catch a few minutes of the local news tomorrow. All but right. why not? Why not, DK? <laughs> so, uh, you know, other than some. Grim losses to Charlotte and New York. Not a whole lot going on because it's going to be dead for a bit. Hopefully a whole lot of rest all... going on. What's that? Hopefully a whole lot of rest going on right now. Hopefully a whole lot of rest going on. That's certainly needed. Trey said as much. Like he didn't, you know, he didn't go for the polite answer or the most boring answer. He's like, yeah, we need rest <laughs> Um, when he was asked about it. But, I, you know, the one thing. We kind of, I don't want to say we ran out of time, but just kind of there are layers to it. And so the last time when we talked about the moves at the trade deadline, we kind of took them very literally in terms mm-hmm. of, I think, the basketball product. And I kind of want to look at them maybe from the point of view of value and or you know trying to figure out what we've got with a front office that is brand new. And we don't have a whole lot of track record to go on really from anything. Right. So, you know, going back to the trade deadline, you know, what what is your perspective about the deadline moves from sort of the thousand mile view? If you kind of step back and say, okay, uh, if if we've got a mission statement, how are they adhering to that mission statement? You know, from the standpoint of the players that they brought in, I thought it was, um, you know, good. I thought it was helpful. I thought that the kind of players that they brought in, um are helpful additions to to the roster is it going to have like is it likely to have a profound impact on kind of the outcome of the season i think if that is um the case probably Sadiq play Sadiq bay has a, a great finish to the season you know um but when you kind of take a look at what they're needing to navigate beyond this regular season the f- flexibility they have with the contract structures for both you know garrison uh, Matthews and you know Bruno Fernando very helpful. You know, I was talking to a couple people today and I said if they have the opportunity to kind of do something aggressive this coming offseason, those two contracts are really valuable. They're you know, not guaranteed for multiple seasons. Um and they can get off of them if they need to. They can clear roster spots if they need to, or if they need, you know, really affordable kind of depth uh, players that have something to offer, I think that that's good. And to take Frank and Justin you know, on uh, different kinds of expiring deals um, and turn them into that. I think that's good management. Um, From the standpoint of Sadiq Bey, when I look at that, you know, um, they need more shooting. And I I do think he's uh, an above average shooter, maybe better than that. It's hard to 
to know uh, since he's been in a, a situation where there's been a, a lot of um, young players kind of coming through the rotation up there in Detroit. Um, but the thing that catches my eye about him is that his salary next year is just a little north of $4.5 million. And that's for what he can give you as a shooter uh, and his ability to get, you know, he's pretty good getting to the rim and being physical at the rim, getting to the free throw line and things like that. So that gives him an opportunity to do something attacking closeouts. That salary works really well for next year too, if they need um, to use other cap space or uh, other uh, ways to kind of operate maybe a bit over the cap. That salary works really, really well for next year. So I think what they, what they brought in, was my view not so focused on moving the needle this year. Um, although, you know, Sadiq could give them some things that could be helpful. I think it's more about the flexibility going into next season and to this off season, depending upon, do they feel like they need to move bogey? Do they feel like they need to move uh, Clint or Anyeka? Because they're, they're both just too good to um, kind of coexist, you know, and share time at the center position anymore. And you know, if you're looking at making moves with those guys, you, who knows what kind of opportunity you have to kind of bring back something really interesting, you know, and things like that. So I, I just felt like they, um, in a way that they didn't the last couple seasons, set themselves up to have quite a bit of flexibility at the end of this season. And I think that's good management for my view. What do you make of the Jalen Johnson situation as a result of of the trades? Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, I've I've been open. He needs to play. Period. In my mind, and so you know that it concerns me. You know, I, I feel like one other version of having flex flexibility going into the next few seasons is you know the salary they could have him on. You know, year three and year four. And I think he showed a lot. He needs more playing time. He needs more reps. He needs an opportunity to to play and grow. I think that should be one of the top priorities for the rest of the season. And, you know, if they're going to view Sadiq as a guy who's going to get minutes along with potentially Hunter some at the four and Jalen doesn't play anymore, I think that's a huge miss. I think it's an absolutely huge miss. Jalen's way too good and has shown way too much to to not be playing. And, you know, if they were had a legitimate shot at like a top four seed in the conference, I might I might understand that more, but that's not where this team is. And, you know, and if we if we kind of connect the dots from the trade deadline maneuvers, the front office, this new front office is seems to be looking beyond the season two, you know, and which to me, you know, Jalen playing and having his development prioritized fits sort of um, that kind of plan that this new front office seemed to have at the deadline, which was, you know, thinking about bigger things than just the end of this regular season and setting up to, you know, get the best kind of seat you can getting into some postseason action. So I, I think it's terrible. It bothers me a lot. Um, I think it really limits um, an, an opportunity to develop one of the, you know, best young, you know, players in the league from the standpoint of someone was drafted outside the lottery, the size and athleticism. He's a great rebounder. You know, uh, an improving ball handler. I think he's a an above average passer already for his position, and there's just so much there that I mean, you have to play him in my view, and I I don't I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, kind of working backwards. You know, you kind of finished on the idea of you know what he offers, and you know, again, if you if you look at it from sort of a 
what you have there in terms of potential with Jalen. I don't think that you could just say that he has those things as, you know, just purely natural talent. Like I think what what you've seen is that he has grown with the minutes. Like the more he's played, the more he's, you know, expanded his role. Like he's he's figured a lot of things out defensively that he had no mm-hmm. clue about last season. He's worked on his shot to where it looks a lot better than it did even at the beginning of this season. Like he's a he's a growing player. So I think he's promising in the fact that he he does seem to be dedicated to his craft. And that's I think that's a big factor here. Like, you know, if 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 he had been some sort of disappointment where it's like, yeah, he's you know, he's just kind of stagnated, then I could see where you would say, okay, you know, he's a first rounder, he's here for depth if we need it, you know, good enough. But, you know, he's shown that with the minutes, he's made use of them to the point where, he, you know, he's gotten better uh, through those minutes. And so I, th- I think it's important for them to play him. And, it, and it's weird in a way because, you know, like you were saying, a lot of the moves were done with foresight. They're, they're, they're moves that are made with an eye towards next season. And, you know, they were careful to get the money right for next season. They were careful to make sure that they didn't send out any first rounders. But at the same time, you know, you've got a first rounder on your roster who can play like a, a first rounder, maybe higher than you know, where he's even drafted. And you have a cost controlled player for two more seasons who's right there. If he gets the seasoning, he can be useful at a very nice price for two more seasons. So, you know, if somehow this doesn't reset and become a situation where he's playing and developing, then I just think you lose a lot of the efficiency of, of, you know, what was there in terms of the rest of the moves. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. And, and, you know, when I think about, and I don't want to fast forward too much. I don't want to get into too much of the Clint and the Yucca. I, I, I will say, I think in the last, I don't know, 10, 12 games, maybe a little bit more, Anyeka has shown a lot around consistency, confidence, um, and I feel like he's hit that level for good. Where until this stretch, it's been, you know, a lot of good, you know, but not really the consistency. And I feel like he's there. He's ready to be a starter. In my view, he's fully ready to be a starter. Now, he's a different guy than Clint. So, you, you know, the, the way you build around him is different than what you do, you know, with a guy like Clint. And so it'll be interesting to see how the Hawks navigate that. I, you know, it's not the end of the world. If they bring both back next year and they're, you know, that solid, you know, at one and two, especially considering you know, you're building around Trey and DeJounte's a smaller, you know, two guard that being what, being what he is on this roster and stuff. It's, it's not the end of the world, but I just think, I, I just can't see them starting next year with, with both from the way it looks to me right now. And for me, like if you say, okay, let's go with Anyeka. You know, we still have a little bit of cost control around him. John, you know, JC and his rebounding and then Jaden and his re- rebounding are a great pair of fours to kind of, you know, put into the rotation at that position around him. Because even though Nyekas was showing a lot more as a rebounder, and I, and I think he gets to being an average rebounder for a center, and he does a lot of other things that already that are above average. Um, but that's a good, you know, one-two punch at power forward um, there. If you go that direction, I think you have to completely abandon DeAndre playing at the four. And I and I think that he makes a lot more sense 
what that construct is a three, you know, anyway. Um, so, I mean, there, there's, there's like just a multiple reasons to be investing in Jalen's development right now. And I think that's, you know, and I don't want to kind of jump all the way back to the Nate conversation we had a couple months ago, but for me, it's one of the more frustrating and kind of head scratching kind of aspects of Nate, you know, you know, he came out, you know, before uh, the season and was like, we're not doing development. And I know he didn't mean it as um, holistically probably as that kind of came across. Uh, I think what he was explaining was, you know, we're going to win the game. We're, we're going to win games. We're going to play to win and we're going to plan to win and all of that. Um, but I still feel like there's um, a lack of, just from my view, you know, a lack of investment around a guy like Jalen who deserves a lot of investment. And again, especially since the Hawks haven't put themselves in position to chase like a really, really high seat. So yeah, hopefully, you know, maybe there's some conversation happen organizationally while while the team while the league is on this break. And maybe they come back with some, you know, an adjusted plan or, you know, a, a little bit different set of priorities for the last part of the season and, and he'll play, you know, so I don't want to kind of close the door on that, but him not playing versus the Knicks until the last couple minutes of garbage time was um, just, it's just concerning to me, but you know me, Kevin, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I, I try to kind of look at the, the path that's possible and not just say that, oh, they're not going to do this or they're not going to do that. Um, you know, they could come back with a different plan out of the break. You know, they could be kind of resetting the, the plan for what their goals are the rest of the season. It's a great time to do that. Um, it, otherwise, in, a, in the NBA regular season, it's hard to get everyone together. Uh, and maybe maybe something, uh, a bit of a, a plan that has more of Jalen's development prioritized will, will come out. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm hopeful that happens, even if uh, what we saw the last few games kind of heading into the break were um, not what I would choose. Is there other stuff you want to talk about today? We kind of can go so many angles with there really not having been recent games here. No, so I mean, I, for so I mean, what do you what do you expect from this team the rest of the season? I was kind of looking. I for me, I, you know, people have been asking me like, what 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 record could they get? Well, I think they have what twenty three left. I think. Um, you know, what record could they get? Could they get into the top six? And for me, it kind of starts with the two Miami games the four Washington games, um, you know, um, that next loss hurt from a, uh, from the standpoint of having had an opportunity to get a tiebreaker there. Um, they have a game left with Indiana, which will be a tiebreaker. Um, and so for me, I think, you know, obviously you need to win what is start with like, just thinking about 13 of those games, 14, 15, nicer, but in addition to that, I think it kind of just comes down to the head-to-head results. I, I think that's what I think that's really what is going to determine exactly where they land. If they have any shot to get the six, they're going to have to like clean up in those head-to-head matchups, especially against Miami. Probably need to sweep those two. Um, uh, they're done with the Knicks, so they, all they can do is just kind of wait and see what happens there. But I, for me, I'm like, it all comes down to the head-to-head games that with the teams that are right now within three games of them in either direction, you know, and they, I think, I think that's only eight of their last 23, if I did the math correctly today. So those eight are going to have a massive impact. You go four and four. I don't think you're moving in the, in any way up or down six and two, maybe you get a shot there. So I don't know. What, how are you looking at this kind of last stretch and what are you, what are you expecting and keeping an eye on? 
I, I guess I'm more holistic just because I don't really think that it's super realistic that they get to six. Yeah. So I think they're just a whole lot better off just trying to play good basketball. Like, I don't know that they, I mean, maybe that's the way that they do it. I mean, maybe, maybe the pressure to try to get to six helps them play good basketball. But I mean, I just, I just, I guess I would go back to the fact that, you know, when, when they've rolled out their regular starting five and put that unit out there together, it's been very, very good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, what they need more than anything is just, you know, good vibes and good health and, you know, some some positive momentum going into whatever aspect of the postseason they make it to. And, you know, I think a byproduct of that is if you just kind of focus on, hey, what what can we do to kind of build things up? you're going to have to, you're going to win some games in that process anyways, and hopefully enough to get to seven or eight. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily just open up the throttle and say six or bust. Cause then I think you open yourself up to injury and fatigue. And I, I, I don't know. I, I do think they're going to be a little bit better rested just by the fact that they're, they're going to have a lot of games at home. They're going to have, they're not going to have a lot of, fatiguing road trips and so i you know this has always it seems like the schedule kind of repeats itself every year and so this always seems like the the portion of the schedule where they start to thrive a little bit and so you know i would i would just hope for good basketball um you know try to play things the right way if guys get dinged up don't push them beyond what they can do um you know, the guys that need rest, the bogeys and such, they don't need to play 37 minutes so that you can win a game over Indiana. Like that just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm i not treating every game like a playoff game, in other words. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I would just try to go at it from a very managed perspective and include things like, hey, you know, Jalen, he's important going forward. We need him to play. Like, I don't think the difference between seven and eight is worth, you know, sacrificing stuff from his future yeah i think that's right um and and that was on my mind because i've been just getting a lot of people asking me like what do you think is possible and fans will want to want to see a path to, to the succeed you know and i get that that's what fans do that's normal fandom you know they're but i've been getting those questions a lot and for me it comes down to maybe you know i, I said head to head i think that's probably the biggest factor maybe right there is are their key guys healthy kind of the rest of the way? That's a lot to ask for, you know? Um, I don't think, I think sometimes fans that only watch one team don't realize how unusual it is to, to have like a, you know, your rotation guys go a whole month and a half, you know, without having, you know, guys, guys miss a decent amount of games, you know, that's not normal. Uh, And then the last thing is just, you know, kind of mapping back to the Hornets Knicks losses just playing defense with effort and kind of connectedness and, and all that. We've seen a good bit of good defense from this team this year. I mean, they're, if, if you, if you, if we kind of had a chance to kind of look at a part of the results, uh, you know, say ahead of the season, where would they be on defense at the all-star break? And if you said 17, I think a lot of people would be thrilled with that considering where they've been the last few seasons and not expect the offense to have fallen off to where it is. Now the offense, the last two to three weeks has been top, uh, top five, you know, consistently. Um, 
And, you know, when you look at the defense for that stretch, those two games, like, totally, you know, uh, kind of murder their numbers, you know, so it's a little bit hard to tell. But I think we've seen when fully healthy that they're capable of putting some, you know, good enough defensive performances together. But that's interesting. And that's interesting. But, I, you know, I, I think your point about kind of thinking more kind of at the macro level, two important, you know, called secondary goals for this season are to end the season with Clint and bogey healthy. And you want, if you want to have the option to make a decision to go in one direction or the other at center in the off season, having Clint finish healthy is critical to, to that. Same, same thing with bogey, you know, the, the better he plays down the stretch rest will help with that. Limiting minutes will help with that. If you feel like you need to move him to create space to do something else with the roster, the better he looks down the stretch, the better you go into the next year with his, uh, assuming he opts in, um, you know, and it's kind of funny. Maybe we could talk about that for a second. I think the conversation all along has been, he's going to opt in. And I'm, I'm back to 50, 50 on that. And he, and here's why let's say bogey has his eye on playing with someone in particular next year or playing on a, you know, a team, you know, someone he's played with an international play or whatever, right? If he doesn't opt in, he's an unrestricted free agent and he can go land anywhere. He, and that's not saying that he's unhappy here or whatever, but, you know, if he wants the chance to kind of be in total control of where he wants to go play, then he may not opt in, you know? And so it's, so I, I feel like I'm feeling a little bit different about that. I think I understand someone saying from an academic ex- exercise this season hasn't been what you'd want heading into free agency, um, but he may have you know a different set of priorities. But on top of that, I think for the Hawks to set themselves up best, protecting Clint and Bogey's health, you know, keeping them in as good a physical shape as you can. I'm not anxious for yeah you know them to you know get them both off the roster. I don't want to sound like that, but if you want to go into this off season with as many options as possible, as many different kind of paths as possible to make adjustments, retool the roster, something to try to make it better. You know, those are two guys that you want to be able to move bogey and get something back. Um, if you can do it without having to send out a first, for example, then great. You know, that really helps you. Um, and then, you know, I, there's a lot of teams right now that a really good defensive center is standing between them and moving from like the seven or eight spot in their conference to the third or fourth or, you know, even the second, you know, so I think Glenn's super valuable, but I think your point of kind of thinking more broadly, hopefully, you know, as I suggested earlier, part of this all-star break is to kind of get the plan refreshed, the organizational plan refreshed, protecting those two guys is another priority as well. Yeah. And part of the reason, you know, I, I said that is like, I think if you look at what Trey has done the last couple of months, like this has been the most, uh, serious couple of months of the regular season basketball I think he's ever played like mm-hmm. he's more focused defensively I think he's mm-hmm. he's better locked in on what his team needs from him offensively like I really liked like the Knicks game was a disaster and you 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 got the sense that you know the Hawks were very frustrated in the first five minutes with the officiating and it's like you know late in that first quarter uh, you know, I think later on in the the first half, Trey forced the issue trying to draw fouls. Like that was because he knew he was the one guy that was like, "Hey, I'm going to get a whistle." There's, you know, I need to 
do something to to get us, you know, even a little bit in the foul column and the free throw column because, you know, right now, you know, DeAndre can't get a whistle. John is getting manhandled by Julius Randle. Like he he needs some help and you know, he kind of forced the issue uh after trying to get people sort of into the groove initially like late in that first quarter he's like okay I've I've got to drive I've got to try to get some free throws to kind of settle the game you know and I thought he did a really good job of that and you know he's he's played defense he's he's done a lot of stick my nose in and be gritty like he still has the occasional uh you know weak side rotation where he just misses the guy coming to the rim and part of that, I think, is just he knows he's not going to do much if he gets there anyways. But right. you know, and his main job is to just try to get out of that situation altogether to begin with, um, because it, it's a you know it's already a, a, a minimal gain proposition if he's trying to rotate to the rim. But he still misses it at, at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's odd, like did, when teams try to set up somebody to be the weak side defender. Do you go for Bogey or do you go for Trey? Because like Trey's going to make mistakes at the rim. Bogey's just the opposite. Bogey's going to overplay at the rim. And if they swing it to the corner, it's like you could you can count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi till he gets out to the shooter in the corner. Um, but like Trey is playing serious basketball. And I think that's, you know, if you – want to consider you know what could the hawks potentially do in the playoffs i think that's the first thing you've got to consider and yeah. you know he he's he's pretty good and i think if you get him the way he is right now you give him his regular starting lineup as healthy as it can be you know there i don't think other teams at the top of the eastern conference actually want to play the hawks all that much I yeah i agree and and maybe their their mindset is not like oh they might beat us it, may, it might be more of oh they could push us to six game they could make us make us expend energy that we really don't want to expend in the first round you know um, which was which was kind of a huge last year in the Western Conference you know it was huge um, in the Eastern Conference yeah it was in the Eastern Conference Boston too. was dead by the time they got to the finals <laughs> yeah that's that's true but I, I think about kind of what Phoenix, what Phoenix yeah. had to go through last year and yeah and, they, and and the West is the West is going to be more brutal this year you know. You know, I think about when I, you know, talking to people about who might come out of the West, I'm like, good luck figuring that out. And the main reason is those series are going to be competitive from the first round. So, like, any almost like any four teams could come into, out of the first round to the second round. It's not quite that way, but it's as close as it's ever been to me. You know, it's like, you know, who are the top eight, you know, after the play in? And, you know, are we sure that, like, we know the result of any one of, you know, it's just going to be competitive. And so, like, even if the tire seeds win, you're going to see six and game, seven game series that set, you know, guys get hurt, guys getting, um, you know, tired. And and it's it's just going to be fascinating on that side of things where I think in the East, I don't, I don't see much room for upset in the first round, depending on how four and five fall. And also depending upon, you know, where Cleveland lands for me and then where Brooklyn lands and what they are and who they are, which I, you know, is, which is going to be one of the most fascinating things to watch for the rest of the season mm-hmm. is, you know, on that side. But kind of going back to your comments around this season for the Hawks being kind of big picture, another thing that makes me feel like that's not only where the front office has their mind, 
But like when you even after these the Hornets and Knicks game or or whatever, when you hear Trey talking or whoever else talking, you don't get this sense of like the organization is desperate about where they are right now. They seem tired but not stressed. And and I think that to me suggests not I don't want to speak for them, but suggests that you know, their mind is really on kind of beyond the season two and, and, and working on things. And that's not to say they're the season. They're not going to try this year. I'm not saying that at all, that they don't have goals this year. I'm not saying that at all, but it just seems like, you know, with, you know, Travis kind of having moved on and now, you know, you've got kind of this new, you know, uh, management structure on the, you know, around the basketball ops side of things that I, I think it's just the vibe I get, if I can use that word, is that we're, let's take a step back and let's think about what we need to do to kind of set up for the next, you know, two, three years and, uh, and, and think about it that way, because, you know, where let's say last season, you know, or at a different time in, in the, in, in kind of where the path they've been on, I, I think you'd see a lot of frustration and a lot of stress about not being higher in the standings, but that they seem okay. You know, are they happy with it? I, I'm not going to speak for them and say yes, but I think that they seem to be calm enough that it suggests to me that even the players are kind of thinking beyond the season and thinking, you know, how to make progress towards a, a vision that is more specific than just about the season two. That's just the way it feels to me when I hear them talk. That seems fair. All right. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, We'll have more basketball results soon to discuss, but uh, it's good to be able to step back and look from a little bit of a wider perspective. Absolutely. So I'm I'm going to enjoy this break, uh, holiday weekend. I got to do a little work on Monday, but I've been putting in long days, so I, I'm grateful actually for this basketball <laughs> break. Once the game starts again, it's going to be it's going to go fast to the end. So yeah, hopefully no. we'll see. Hopefully we'll see some good defense. Well, hopefully we'll see you know Trey continuing to kind of grow. I, I've said before, I'll take this Trey. You know, I, I trust his offense to come all the way back around from an efficiency standpoint. And it's not like he's been, you know, terrible or anything like that at all. I just know that people expect more because of the ridiculous numbers he's put up, you know, right. the first part of his career. But th- I'll take this Trey. I, I'll take the Trey that is on the path to try to make an impact on both ends of the court, contribute on both ends of the court in the best way that he can. And that's that's all to, to me almost kind of the first factor of how good this franchise can be with him being the guy they build around. So I'll take this, you know, even if they end up, you know, in the play in and having to kind of fight, try to fight their way into the playoffs, I, I'll, I'll take it. And then we'll just kind of go from there. That's my view. All right. Uh, I'll eagerly await your breakdown of uh, the defensive schemes in Sunday's all-star game. Yeah. I'll, I'll break down at least two plays. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> have a good weekend thanks Kevin you too